Happy July 2nd. Um, boy, you know, this is a really wonderful time of the year and, uh, of course, summertime and a lot of great things going on. But uh, we also get to celebrate our country's birthday. And, boy, we have a great country to live in. And so uh, I know we have a lot of people out um, celebrating that. And, but, of course, we have some visitors, too. And we got the Henry clan over there. So it's good to see a bunch of visitors there. Welcome. Welcome, everybody. Okay. Hey, open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11. Okay. Hebrews chapter 11. Who makes the coffee in the house? Hebrews, right? All right. Bad joke. Bad joke. <laughs> you know, it's pretty nice and cool up here on the stage. It's usually a lot hotter up here and it's cooler down there. But today I think it's cooler up here and hotter down there. So I don't know how that happened. But anyways, here we go. Hebrews chapter 11. Now, uh, I just want to put this in context. And I know I know our Wednesday night crews is tired of hearing me say this, but we're going to say it again. Because if you don't put it in context, then you, it's hard to get the right understanding here. Okay, so let's put this in context. Um, the book of Hebrews is, is, is written to whom? The Hebrews. Thus, it's called the book of Hebrews. Now, so, so, so we're Christians, and we're 2,000 years removed from this time. And, 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 so, and so the author, God, is, is, is speaking to Hebrews here. Now, if you look from chapter 1 through chapter 10, about halfway through chapter 10, um, it's, it's, it's God telling these Hebrews that, hey, um, um, here it is, and it's about 68 A.D., and we all remember, we know from our history that uh, Jerusalem, that the temple fell in 70 A.D. So, so here's the author, and, and, and he's telling, this, telling these Hebrews um, that, you know, the old covenant is gone. Jesus Christ has come. He's died. He's risen from the grave. He's ascended to heaven, and he's up with the Lord, and he's the great high priest. And so he's telling these Hebrews, hey, you know, some of you got it here, but you don't have it here. Some of you don't have it at all. But he's saying you need to come all the way out of Judaism, the Levitical system, come all the way out because the old covenant is done. Christ is better. Christ is better, right, Shanna? You're writing a paper on that. Christ is better. Christ is better. And he tells them through ten and a half chapters why Christ is better. And then from chapters ten and a half uh, to the rest of chapter ten, it gives an invitation. And he says, look, Hebrews, uh, you can't have it both ways. you got to come all the way out. You can't have it both ways. You either got to accept Christ as your Savior, or if you don't, you're an apostate, and you'll die, and you'll burn in hell. And so, so now the Hebrews are wondering, well, how? how? How do I step out and how do I come and how do I have this relationship in this new covenant with Jesus Christ? And so God tells him in Hebrews chapter 11 that it's done, listen to me close, it's done by faith. You see, their whole system beforehand was based on works, based on works. Now, now we understand the Old Testament that faith was always involved, but 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 they had built a system of works, and it's been works, works, works. You know, they had to see, they had to touch, they had to fill it. You know, but no more. It's by faith. And so Hebrews chapter 11, he's saying, this is how you do it. You do it by faith. Look with me at uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. It says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now that. That's not really a definition. It's more of a characterization of faith. And so what that means, church, is this, is that it's taken, it's taken the future and it's bringing it to the present. That's what, that's what that means. And not only that, but it means that um, the, the, when it says here um, the conviction 
of things not seen, that's talking about that you're not only just bringing the future into the present, but you're banking your life on it. You're banking your life on it, okay? Now, we go through Hebrews chapter 11, verse 2, and it says, For by men, for by the men of old gained approval of God because of their faith. By faith we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God, and so that what is seen was not made out of the things which are visible. In other words, um, we might not be able to understand some things, but be, but because of faith we can. Everybody say amen. You know, we all weren't here when the worlds were created, but by faith we believe that God says that he created the world in six days. Everybody say amen. So that's what faith does, you see. In verse 4, and we've covered this this past Wednesday, by faith, Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain. Why? Because of faith, because of obedience, because, because Abel brought what God said to bring, and Cain didn't. He believed God, you see. He believed God. He heard God what he said. Cain heard what he said. But only Abel said, I believe you, and I bet my life on it, so I'm going to bring the right sacrifice. And it says that God accepted Abel's, but he didn't accept Cain. If you go back into Genesis chapter 4, you see what happened to Cain, don't you? All right, now here we are this morning, and we're at, we're at verses 5 and 6. And it says, By faith Enoch was taken up so that he would not see death. The King James says that he was, he was, was that, what does it say, trans, translated? Yeah. And, and he was not found because God took him up. So one day, him and God went for a walk, not the essence of God, but, but spiritually speaking, because when they got kicked out of Eden, God took his abode into heaven. But one day, they just took for a walk, and they just never come back, and, and Enoch went to heaven. Isn't that glory? Isn't that good? It's kind of like what's going to happen when the rapture comes, ladies and gentlemen. That's just what, exactly what it's going to be like. Now, let's, let's read on here. In verse, in verse 6, And without faith, it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God, here it is, Believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them who seek him. So this morning, let's talk real quick about how to please God, how to please God. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. And so so there's four features or listen close. There's four principles about Enoch's faith that pleased God. And they're in these two verses. Now, now, so when we uncover some principles about our walk and about our relationship with God, it's very important that you write these down because it's God. If God has given us a principle, then we're going to need to be accounted for those principles. And so this morning, I want to challenge you with this. You know, have you followed these principles? Are you following these principles? Now, he's telling these Hebrews here is that the old covenant's gone. And, you know, I know I'm not speaking to a bunch of Jews in here, and I know you're not, you're not, uh, you're not practicing Judaism, okay? I know you're not going to some secret temple and you're, and you're doing things the, the, you know, the, the, the Levitical system way, but I, I think I am speaking to people that uh, has got a bunch of religion in their lives that needs to be stripped down, you know, because Jesus is better than any kind of religion. Everybody say amen. You know, sometimes we, we make up our mind about uh, how God accepts us and what he accepts, and, and sometimes it's not true. And so I, I want you to see this morning that this, that these, this is good for us because, because number one is that if you're going to be saved, there's only one way to do it. And then after you're saved, there's, there's certain requirements of you. There's principles for you to follow, right? 
All right, so here we go. So how do we please God? How did Enoch's faith please God? What was God pleased about because of Enoch's faith? Now, I think that's important, don't you? I mean, I want God to be happy with me. And, and, and there's only one way to please, to please God. And verse 6 says it's by what? It's by faith. It says, without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe, point number one, principle number one, you must believe that he is. So, so he was believing God is. I, I, I love the story in, um, in Exodus about when Moses was told to, to go speak to Pharaoh. And, and Moses just kind of said, you know, uh, who should I tell the Pharaoh who's sending me? And what, is God, what was God's answer? I am. I am has sent you. You tell them that I am. See, God is self-existent. God is God, and God is God alone. And so about Enoch's faith, how he pleased God was he believed that God is. And so there is where faith begins. Faith is simply believing God is. That's where your faith has to start. You have to believe that God is. Now, a man can't really count on anything else to please God, can he? And so this is where it starts. Religion doesn't please God. Romans chapter 3 says this, By the deeds of the law shall no flesh be justified. That doesn't please him. I'm telling you, religion nauseates God. God can't stand those things and those people who try to earn their way to heaven because it's not going to work. Only one thing pleases God in its faith. And the very first thing you have to believe is that God is. He's not just a God. He's not one God of many. He is the only God. He is God. You've got to believe that. And you know what I found is, is that when you believe that, the truth is revealed in your soul and spirit, and it's easy to believe that once you make that commitment to believe that God is. So where does your faith start? How do you get saved? And what's he telling these Hebrews? He's saying, look, you got to come out of that mess, and you got to trust him. And the first thing you got to do is you got to believe that God is. You know, um, God, God's, again, he, he's not happy with just religion, Right? And, and, and he's not impressed with somebody's nationality. He wasn't pressed just because these guys were Jews or Hebrews that they got a free pass to go into heaven. He, their nationality didn't, didn't matter. Their color of their skin didn't matter. Um, look, he, he's not happy with somebody's good deeds either. And only one thing pleases God. And the Bible says right here, without faith, it is impossible. Listen to me. It is impossible to please him. You know, uh, just kind of off the subject, but, you know, God's, God's not impressed with me because I surrendered to the ministry. He, he's, and he, more, more frankly, he, he's not really that impressed with you just because you're here on Sunday morning. What he's impressed is, is that, that you believe he is. That's what, he, that's what impresses God. Do you believe that he is? I mean, is your faith the kind of faith that says, okay, God, I know what your word says, and, and, and you know what, God, I, I'm going to take that present, the things that I hope for, I'm going to bring them right here into my present stance, and I'm, and I'm going to believe that. But not only am I going to believe that, I'm going to bet my life on it. I'm going to put everything on the table, and I'm, I'm going to believe you. But number one, I'm going to believe you that you are who you say you are, and that you're not just some God. You are the God. You are the only God. That's where faith starts. That's where your relationship with God starts is that you believe that he is, that you believe that he is. 
That's where it has to start. That's where it started for Enoch, and he got translated right into heaven. God was so pleased with him. I love it when God's pleased with me, and you know, I know when God's pleased with me, and I know that when God is pleased with me, it's when I've been faithful and obedient to him. Faithful and obedient to reading his word, studying his word, um, being convicted by his word, being obedient to do what he tells me to do. So the very first thing I have to do is that when then I'm going through life is I just have to know and believe that he is. Have you done that? Have you truly done that? I'm not talking about up here. I'm talking about right in here. Do you believe that he is? Because if you don't, if it's just religion if it's just if it's just some knowledge that you stick up here and you just want to try to make yourself um, you know feel better or that you think you're going through the right motions, it's not going to do you any good. You've got to have it here, and the first thing you need to do is to believe that he is. That's what Enoch did. Romans chapter eight verse eight puts it simply. Well, let me just say this first. Um, Ephesians chapter 2, and I don't have all the scriptures on the screen, but it says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works. Why? Because if it's works, then you could boast about it, is what it says. Romans chapter 8, verse 8 says it simply, So that they that are in the flesh cannot what? Please God. So works are flesh, right? And that does not please God. Only one thing pleases him, and that's faith. And Enoch pleased him because Enoch lived by faith, and that's what pleased God. In fact, it pleased him so much that, again, one day he was walking with the Lord, and he just kept on walking and went into eternity. (laughs) Golly, that's exciting. Now, where does this faith begin? And it all begins right here in this statement. Believe that he is. It's not saying that he must believe that there is a God, but he must believe that God is God, that he is the only God. Let me jump to this and we'll move to the next to the next principle. But you got to get this first principle down. Now, you know, there's only one way that you can know God and you can't know him by sight. Can you Right? You can't know God by sight. John chapter one, verse 18. And, and, and now listen to me. The Bible is infallible and errant. There's no mistakes in it. And we as Christians, we believe every word, and we don't change any of it, right? Because it's God's word. It's God's instruction to us. And you don't think he's going to put us down here and not going to tell us what he expects from us, do you? But we have to believe it. And the first way that we believe the word of God is we have to believe, first of all, that he is, that he is God. But it, 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 but it, but it says in John chapter 1, verse 18, it says, No man hath seen God at any time. Now, we know that Adam and Eve did, right? But then he closed down Eden, and, and then, of course, but no man has seen God. Now, now I, I don't know about you, but, you know, I hear people say, I've seen God. You know, I've had a vision, and, and I know exactly what God looks like. And so I always kind of, when someone says it to me, I'm, I'm thinking of God's Word, and God's Word is not going to be a lie, right? So I'm kind of thinking, what are they smoking, right? What are they what are they, what are they popping in their mouths? But but I, I, I'm just kind of joking around a little bit. And I know, I know, you know, we all have, you know, theophanies and, and, and some things that, and God gives us special things, but no man has seen God. You're, the whole point to what God is saying is, is this, is that you're not going to know him by sight. The, the closest thing you're ever going to get to seeing what God looks like is if you've seen Jesus Christ, because he's, because Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. Of course, we know that's an essence, right? But the only way that you're going to know God 
is by faith. It's not some vision, it, it, and, and it's not going to be some experience. It, it's going to be by faith. It, it's not going to be some works. It, it's, it's not going to be because you get goosebumps. It's, it's going to be because you have faith. And then once you have that faith and you believe that he is, but then other things happen. And, 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 and that truth of who God is, it's verified in your life because of what God does in you through the truth, right? So it comes by faith. Faith. So number one, Enoch pleased God. How? Number one, by his faith. Number two, principle number two. Enoch pleased God because he seeked God's reward. Now, I want you to get this, and this is a tremendous truth. I mean, this is good doctrine right here. How did he, how did he please God? He pleased God because he was seeking for God's reward. It says, without faith, it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is. Number two, here it is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Now watch this one. It's not enough just to say we believe in God. You must believe that God is moral and the only God. You must believe men and women who come to him are made righteous are made righteous. You see, that is the ultimate reward. That's what Enoch was, was searching for with God. And that's, what, that's the reward that he received was that God made him a rewarder of righteousness. Are you seeking that righteousness from that one true God, that moral God? That's the ultimate reward that we receive. We must recognize God is a personal, loving, gracious God to those who what? Seek him. Seek him. Now, Enoch knew that, and Enoch didn't believe. Enoch didn't believe God was some great cosmic indifference. He believed God was a personal, caring, loving God with whom he fellowshiped for 300-plus years. Teenagers, did you hear that? He lived for 300-plus years, and he seeked God daily. You know, many people believe in God, but maybe they believe in the wrong God, or maybe they believe in the right God, but they just don't think they need anything from him. Folks, if you're not seeking God's righteousness, then you're not living by faith, because you need something from him that you can't provide for yourself. And that's that justification. That's that imputation of righteousness that only God can give us. You see, Enoch knew that, and he seeked God. He seeked God, that moral God. And, and, I, and I want you to see this. Um, you know, he seeked him, and, and, and he found it, and he was made righteous, and he translated, he, he translated uh, from, from this earth into heaven, never had to experience death ever in his life. Now, David said to his son Solomon, he said these words in 1 Chronicles chapter 28, verse 9, and I have that on the screen for you. This is, this is what David told his son Solomon. Um, ah, never mind. Well, I'll go ahead and tell you anyways. Um, you know, you know um, David's star, um, it's got six points on it. Y'all all knew that, right? The star of David. And that's the kind of the signal. That's what's what. That's the that's the symbol for for Israel. But you know, Solomon um, had his had his. God gave Solomon his star too. 
and it had five points on it. You see the Dallas Cowboys star on their helmets has got five points, and that's God's team. You see what I'm saying? Now you can, you, like Beretta said, you can just you can just take that to the bank. All right, all right. Um, but uh, <laughs> but second, but First Chronicles 28 verse 9, he said this, and he said this to his sons. This is David. This is the, the now. Remember, David was what? He was he was he was the man after God's own heart. Isn't that what your Bible tells you? He wrote all those beautiful psalms. You couldn't write those beautiful psalms if you weren't anointed by God and if you didn't seek God. And so through all of his, all of these years and being a, the great king that he was, this is what he told his son Solomon. First Chronicles 28, verse 9, he said, If thou will seek him, son, he will be found by thee. But if thou forsakest him, he will cast thee off forever. That's a father talking to the son. Wow, that's strong, isn't it? That's good. So what is the reward for those that seek him? Well, how about this? How about Matthew 6, 33? It says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And what are you going to get? It says, all these things shall be added unto you. What's all these things? It's everything that God has to give. See, the Bible says that we're joint heirs with Christ. Do you understand that when we when we believe that He is, and when we seek after His righteousness, and we take the we take that we we live by faith and not by sight and not by works, but but duly by our God, our moral God. And and, and do you do you do we do we truly get it that that our citizenship is no no more here on this earth, no more. The Bible says that our citizenship now is in heaven. And we are joint heirs with Christ. And so seeking after his righteousness, he says, all these things I'll give unto you. And all these things is all the things that he promised Jesus. Look, we're not going to be a God like Jesus. No, but, but we're joint heirs with him. And so he's saying all those things are yours. And some of it is going to be in heaven. But we can take all those things and, we, and because it's faith and we bring it right here into the future. And we live our life walking with him. Everybody say amen. Everybody give the Lord a hand, all right? I mean, that's exactly what he promises us here. So, so, so do you believe that he is? Do you believe that? And, and if you do, if you're going to please God, are you seeking after his righteousness? It's not about the old nature anymore, not about the old man anymore. It's not, it's not satisfying my flesh anymore, but it's, it's seeking after God and his righteousness. You can only accomplish that by faith, by faith. Now... Number three, number three, the third reason that he pleased God, and this is kind of the main thing here, in my opinion, he pleased God not only by believing he is and seeking God's reward, but number three, walking with God. Now, I think you're going to appreciate this. But, you know, after you once believe that God is and then you actually believe that he can save and that you need the reward he offers, you need the reward that he offers. And you come to him on his terms. And that's only the beginning. Then what he wants you to do is walk with him. He wants you to walk with him. Now, the term walk is used <clears throat> over 70 times in the New Testament. And I think if God mentions something over 70 times, I think it's pretty important. What do you think? 
Now, basically what the term walk means in the New Testament is talking about the manner of daily conduct. Write that down. It's talking about the manner of daily conduct. For example, every time you see it in the text, um, the unbeliever walks according to the things of the world, but the believer walks in the spirit. It means the manner of his daily conduct. Who is that person surrendered to? Who is that person pleasing? In what manner are they conducting themselves? Of the world standard or of God's standard? That's, I just want to give you a simple definition there. And you know what Enoch did? He just continued in the presence of God, and he just moved daily in the presence of God. Now, there are many things that's implied by his walk. Let me just give you two real quick, and then we'll be done. First thing he implied in his walk was, number one, his reconciliation. Now, I know that's kind of a long-worded word, but you need to know that word. That's that word, reconciliation. I, you know, we see that in his, in his walk, there was this reconciliation. And why do we say that? Um, um, Amos 3.3, it says, how can, how can two walk together except they be agreed? Now, follow, follow me here. Now, that's an obvious thing, right? Two people cannot really walk together and imitate fellowship unless they are what? Agreed. You know, you take a husband and you take a wife. Th- th- those two really can't walk through life together if one's on this side and the other's on this side. They have to be what? They have to be agreed, right? And then sometimes when something comes in the marriage, when something comes in the marriage and it, and, it, and it breaks that fellowship, what has to happen? Reconciliation has to happen. And how do you get reconciliation to happen? Well, you have to have forgiveness. You have to have repentance. Some time has to happen. And then with that time and with all of that, then, then reconciliation can happen. Hey, guys, listen to me real quick here. You know, all of us are nothing but, but sinners. And so we can't walk with God because, because we're sinners. We, we need to be reconciled. And so by that faith that we trust who Jesus Christ is and what he's done for us, now we walk with God and we, we, we are reconciled to God by the blood of Jesus Christ. But here's, but here's the ticket is, 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 is that in a marriage, sometimes it's two people coming together, right? And this person gives up this and this person gives up that and they come together. Forgiveness is made. Reconciliation has happened. They're walking together. Everything's great. Well, that's not how it works with God. You see, God sets the standard and man has to come to God based upon what, who God is. We have to give everything. And that is where the faith comes in because we, we, God, God's not going to say, well, I'll give you this, and you take this, and I'll take this. No, that's not how it's going to work. God says, here it is. Take it or leave it. Enoch knew that. He, he bent himself. He molded himself. He, he, he was obedient to God. He said, okay, God, this is your standard. He says, I will meet it, and he walked with God. He was reconciled to God, and the reason he can walk with God is because why? Is because he was reconciled to God, all right? So not only was he reconciled, Not only was he reconciled, but number two is I think they had this corresponding nature. Now, now, um, do you you know anybody who pals around with the goldfish? (laughs) That sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? You know, um, you know, you know, you know, are you going to hang out with the goldfish? You know, you're going to, are you going to, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to take your little fish bowl and you're going to have this goldfish in there and you're going to take around wherever you go and kind of just, just strap it around here and have good fellowship with this goldfish. That sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? 
I mean, I think there was one time in our house that we had a goldfish, and, uh, you know, it, it never turned out good. <laughs> they always died, right? I mean, you could go get, buy one goldfish, and a week later that thing is dead, and you go get another one, and the next week is dead. I mean, there's, there's this, there's, you can't pal around with a goldfish. It, it, it's just not going to work. But you see, we could never have fellowship with a goldfish. And you want to know what is just as impossible is you having fellowship with God as an unrepented, half-hearted believer. Because you know why? Because God doesn't pal around with goldfish and he doesn't pal around with sinners. He doesn't. There has to be this corresponding nature, you see. You live in two different worlds. There's no corresponding nature. Therefore, you can't walk together. Two different spheres. The same thing is true of a man. A man cannot have fellowship with God on the basis of his own fallen nature. It can't happen. And so to walk with God means that there must be a common life, that something has happened to allow that person to step into a domain where before that person could not exist. And now when you become a Christian, the Bible simply says this, that your citizenship is no longer on earth. Again, it's where it's in heavenly the bible actually says in in ephesians that you walk in the heavenlies man listen when we give our lives to christ and when we live by faith we are walking in the heavenlies no longer are we citizens of this world but we're citizens in heaven okay so faith 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 Colossians chapter 2, verse 5 and 6, it says, As you have received Christ Jesus, so walk ye in him. How do you receive him? By faith. How do you walk? By faith. Number four, and this is it. Then there's one other thing that Enoch did, and that was that he preached. Now, Jude, verse 14. How many chapters are in Jude? <laughs> there's, yeah, it's just, just one chapter, right? Yeah. So Jude 14, it says, And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam prophesized of these words now the word now look at the the word the now the word these refers back to and if you if you read Jude it's talking about false teachers so there are false teachers even back in Enoch's day okay in Genesis chapter 5 but it says it says that Enoch prophesied or he preached it says Enoch prophesied saying he preached behold the Lord cometh with 10,000 of his saints and now here's old Enoch the seventh man from Adam predicting the coming of Christ all the way back in Genesis chapter 5 now let me ask you something do you think Enoch really had seen the judgment of God or sinners no do you think that do you think that he could say well I was there no he preached he preached the judgment of God on sinners because God told him to preach it and he believed it would happen and he did it all by faith you see it well let's close with this by faith he entered into God's presence he pleased God so much that God just took him it says in Genesis 5:24 it says this and Enoch walked with God And he was not, for God took him. And his body was never found, people. He never died. God just took him. And you know, he's a wonderful picture of the believer who will be alive on the earth when our Lord descends in the air to catch that bride when that big shout comes. And just as Enoch was translated to heaven without seeing death, so also will all those God's people that are alive be called up in that rapture, be, be done the same way. And so Enoch is this ancient picture of the rapture, and it shows that God has 
has it over us, folks. He's, he's got us all taken care of. You know, he died young, 300 plus years, right? <laughs> but he didn't really die. He passed from the scene, and he was and is in the presence of God. And you know, um, you know who, who goes into the presence of God? Only those who please him. And how do you please God? By faith, not by anything else. So if you will, just bow your heads for a moment and let's pray together. Father, we love you this morning. And we thank you for the word of God that we have. And we thank you, Lord, that we have the clear instruction of who you are and and how we can please you. And Lord, my prayer this morning is, is that if there's one who's never accepted Jesus Christ as Savior, if there's one here that's never believed who you are, if there's someone here that's that's never seeked your righteousness, if there's someone here, Lord, that's not walked with you, Lord, I pray this morning that we know what your will is, is for all men to be saved and for none to perish, but all have everlasting life. We know that is your will, God, for each of us. But we all have our have our own um, responsibilities, Lord, and, and that we respond and that the Holy Spirit, when it speaks to us, Lord, that we respond and, and we accept you. And so, God, I pray this morning, if there's one here that's never done it, Maybe they just have a head knowledge. Maybe they're just like these Hebrews um, that, that, that this book was initially written for, that, Lord, that they had it upstairs in their brain. They had some knowledge. They even had some experience, but they never got it in their hearts. Lord, I pray this morning that you'll just convince um, these people of that, that you'll call them, Lord, that they'll give their lives to you and that they'll believe who you are and that they'll, and that they'll walk with you and, Lord, that they'll seek after your righteousness. And that will also be like old Enoch, and that will preach your word, will be faithful to you and obedient to you. We love you and we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, stand with me and just stay in an attitude of prayer.